This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris List, the host from runawire.com. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. There is a special offer for new FanDuel users. You can get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's more than $40 in value for just $10. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. It's Chris List of Rotowire.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by Yahoo Sports' Dalton Del Don. And, dude, it's just brutal. We just cannot we cannot do anything right in this Hilton contest. And it's getting to the point where, of course, we're still going to make the picks. We put the 1500 in, but I don't even give a shit. Like, we're just going to make these picks. It's not this grave decision. It's just going to be five picks we feel like making. Yeah, and it, last, week, last week, the morning games, we won with the Vikings and Lions, and it looked like we had the Bears. I thought we were going to be 3-0 heading into our two afternoon picks, and uh, instead, the Bears end up not covering in a dramatically ugly fashion, and then we lose both the afternoon games, go 2-3, and three. and yeah, we're getting awfully close if we aren't there already to uh, another lost season, which is frustrating because we put so much money in. I'd like to at least have had some competitiveness and something to follow along past six weeks, but man, we better pick it up very, very quickly if that's going to be the case. So what's our record? Like nine and twenty-three or something? What what is our record? No, not nine and twenty nine and no, it's not that bad. Nine and sixteen, right? Yeah, it's something like that. I, I honestly can't remember because I I'm probably out of sight, out of mind. But um it's not as bad as the what you first said. But yeah, it would take a dramatic, you know, turnaround. There was some article that was out uh saying how the consensus this year in the Super Contest, which typically, you know, they're, they're, it's not as many sharks as in the past. You know, ESPN has been promoting it and all that, so you get more people, noobs like ourselves, uh, involved. But in the past, when there's been a consensus pick, they, they've won like 60% of the time, and they, they hadn't, they've gone like 0 for 8 or something over the first month of the year. So it's been a bizarre year. At least we can take some comfort in that fact. Yeah, you know, Massey Peabody, that uh, analytics site, is getting its ass kicked, too. I wonder if 
either there's just been some anomalously unlucky stuff going on or, and I wrote about this in East Coast Offense, that there's something different about the NFL. There's something going on this year that's just not exactly the same. And that sometimes subtle things change about the game that make the metrics not as reliable. And, you know, we've gone through this in baseball, right? There was a whole time where we felt pretty sure that BABIP was pure luck. And then we found out later on, well, actually, no, it's not luck. The guy's getting hit hard or the guy's giving up the BABIP. But I swear, in like 2005, if you asked me if BABIP was luck, I would have said, yeah. I would have said, look at Greg Maddox. One year it's, you know, he's at 315. The next year he's at 285. It's total luck. But now I'm positive that BABIP is not luck. And, you know, maybe some of these metrics that are so predictive or – you know, turnovers are just pure luck or whatever are not as much pure luck. And some of the ones that are more predictive are not as predictive. And maybe it's because they were wrong before, or maybe it's because something's changed. But I, I'm very wary of, of feeling that anything's solved, that we know what's luck, what's skill. We figured it all out. And I, I just find it interesting. I mean, it's, it's not good for us. I mean, that's screwed us. But um, I like to keep an open mind with this, that it's not just going to snap back for the second half necessarily. Yeah, maybe fundamentally, fundamentally we should be changing how we analyze this stuff. It's funny you mentioned the Babbitt, um, the, va- the Babbitt term because the Cubs just finished with a historically good uh, low Babbitt. Their defense was amazing, one of the best defensive seasons you will ever see um, in, in a baseball season. And I was uh, unfortunately at this game four in San Francisco. My Giants entered with uh, whatever it was, a three-run lead in the ninth. I'm speaking about a side out of mind. I've tried to put that behind me. Um, man, I mean, I was at the Game 7 of the NBA Finals. I watched the Warriors lose in the home court. Uh, last week, I was at the Niner game on Thursday night, and that's an ugly product, don't get me wrong. But I had them in a teaser and plus 10.5 points, and, and Gabbert gets sacked for a safety in front of my face on this side of the end zone where our seats are to have them go down 12 points. So I lose that, and this Giants just in spectacular fashion. Their season ends right before my very eyes, so... You know, if it wasn't already a broken man list, um, I'm on the very the very brink, the cusp of becoming one. You've been a broken man for a long time. I don't know if you've known that, but it's been obvious to people who know you. So I, I wouldn't think this is anything different. Um, but did you ever see that movie, The Cooler, with William H. Macy? Yes. Yeah, Alec Baldwin, right? Yeah. yeah. That's you right now. And that's what's happening. Now I understand. I thought it was some sabermetric bullshit. That's not what's <laughs> happening. It's you being the cooler, not only for our picks, but for the entire contest you're bringing it down one crazy thing about the vikings and we may have mentioned this last week but uh they are 18 and 3 against the spread now in the last 21 games and the bizarre thing about that is it's really hard to go 18 and 3 against the spread the, the next best team is the bengals and they're like i don't know like 14 6 and 2 or something like that or whatever the equivalent 13 6 and 2 over that stretch the best team uh, against the spread in 2014 they were 11 and 5. In 2013, 11 and 5. 2012, there were four teams or three teams tied 11 and 5. There has been nobody that was even 13 and 3 against the spread. I didn't check beyond 2012, but since 2012. And here we are. The Vikings were not only 13 and 3 last year, they're 5 and 0 this year. You go 18 and 3. And it's a real outlier. And the reason it's an outlier, and I wrote about this, is that of course you can go 15 and 1 in, you know, just straight up because you're a really good team. You play some bad teams, you have some luck. But against the spread, the bar keeps getting raised. And so the example I used was the Patriots, who were 16-0 in the regular season. They were destroying everybody. They were 8-0 against the spread in the first half. And they went 2-6 in the second half because they were like 23-point favorites. The bar kept getting higher, which is what happens when you keep covering. And eventually it catches up to you, which would happen to the Patriots. But 
in the case of the Vikings, the bar is not being raised. They were only six-point favorites last week against the Texans. The Texans suck, yet they were only at home giving six. So for whatever reason, the, the book does not respect the Vikings, and the Vikings are just winning every single week. Yeah, well, I've talked plenty about them here on this podcast. I made my biggest preseason bet was their under, and I've just obviously been wrong. But I, I have admitted as such since. Like, I don't think it's been a fluke. Like, that defense is is awesome. I mean, I, we, we, you know, we, we both we, – we picked the Vikings last week in the Super Contest. The six and a half points, um, of course, you know, blind squirrel and, and finding a nut and all that stuff. But that line just seemed off. I mean, Houston's – Offense, they've scored the fewest touchdowns in the NFL. I don't really know why that line was less than a touchdown, but they continue to get a lack of respect. Um, the the books, and, and yeah, the, the Vikings are the real deal. I mean, I don't know how much upside they have in the postseason. They can't run, and they still have, you know, Bradford at quarterback, but it's hard to disagree with their formula dating back to, as you said, all the way throughout last season. They had Seattle dead last year in the playoffs. I mean, oh, it's not like yeah. they couldn't have beat Seattle, and Seattle was, you know, as good as anybody last year. As good as anyone, yeah. I mean, they got off to that horrible start in Carolina when they had to travel for the second straight short week in the playoffs, and then they dominated the rest of the two-and-a-half quarters. Now, Carolina may have eased up because they had a lead, but absolutely Seattle, I thought, was is a, a strong argument. They were one of the, you know, if not the best team in the NFL last year, and it took a, a Blair Walsh, what, a 22-yard field goal miss for them to lose Minnesota? And that home field, by the way, is different this year. That new stadium sounds as loud as any in football. That hasn't even been factored in yet because they've been playing whatever in that college stadium outdoors the last two years. This new stadium looks like a legit home field advantage for the Vikings. Right. The Sharps obviously don't like the per-play metrics or play success rate or something about the Vikings because it's not the squares keeping that line down. And right. I make the lines now. I've just been making my own lines and then comparing them to the actual lines. And it's just ridiculous that, you know, I just said eight, you know, and I know the whole sharp square, you know, nobody gives the Vikings low scoring games. You don't want huge lines. And even with that, I said eight and I looked and it was six at the time. I guess the Hilton contest went off at six and a half. I think it went off at six at the end. Like they're just not, the sharps are just not budging on this. They are just blindly. I mean, I'm assuming it's the sharps because, you know, you think if a team's 18 and three against the spread, the squares are going to start betting on them. Right. And it's just, that line is just not budging. It's like, dude, maybe they're doing something that you don't realize. Not everything is regression, luck. You know, not everything that doesn't conform to a model or a metric is necessarily luck. They might be doing something that doesn't show up. Another example from baseball, I think Jeff brought up Johnny Cueto. There are other guys like this. Johnny Cueto picks off runners. He holds them on. No one steals against him. Um, some of these pitchers are very good fielders. They don't throw wild pitches. There's little things beyond the, the you know, main metrics that add up. Individually, they're kind of small. You wouldn't really count them as important factors. Maybe the Vikings are really good consistently on special teams. Maybe being such a good defensive team that their per-play averages, they're only you know 4.9 on offense, which is like 28th, 4.4 on defense, which is first, that that 0.5 yards per play is actually much bigger of a deal when it's so low. When you're in you know, the, the 5.5 to 6 range, you need a full yard to be as important as that little half yard is when you're down there. Maybe something like that. Or maybe they're just really consistent in the way they stop teams or the, you know, the lack of consistency on offense that the teams have that play them because of their style of defense. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I just know that when you go 21 and I mean 18 and 3 in 21 games against the spread, which is almost impossible to do, we have to start thinking maybe this is a fluke, but maybe there's something going on that we're missing. 
Yeah, Blair Walsh is missing field goals, but Patterson, I believe, is the best kick returner. So maybe it's a field position thing. And Mike Zimmer isn't the you know the biggest name, but maybe he's he's just a really good coach. You know, always was a defensive coordinator. Norv Turner has been a good offensive coordinator, if not a head coach. So maybe their game plan is just under the radar better. They they have allowed. I know they don't have any huge names on the defensive side, but they have allowed the fewest yards per attempt and recorded the most sacks. So I mean, that's a a pretty good combination there. So. Um, I think it's it's probably going to uh, to last over the rest of this year, them being one of the better teams in the NFL. I would personally take the Seahawks if I had to pick a team in the NFC, but um, the Vikings are right there, and they're obviously, quite obviously, legit. Yeah, and it's interesting because the coaching may not be properly priced in because if you're looking at per-play stuff, maybe the, you, know, you think, oh, well, a good coach will have a team that succeeds more or gets more yards per play, but decision-making and stuff like that isn't counting per-play, right? When to... Right punt when to go for it that's not going to affect your per play averages right like right. The, yeah. you know, there may right. be a huge component that's just missing that the coach just you just need to give a boost if the guy's a good coach although zimmer yeah. has done some cowardly things i've seen him punt in, in some bad situations although i've seen belichick punt in some odd situations too but there may just be such an advantage from the coaching that that's not priced in anyway we don't have to stay on this but they're just a very interesting team they're on buy this week so we're not going to have to even uh deal with it all right let's get through this because i gotta edit this monstrosity and i uh just did the two-hour xm show so i'm kind of wanting to get through it you ready for tonight's game i'm ready that was my my best bet of the week actually i know it seems like a square thing to take a a road favorite let alone one traveling on a short week but simeon's back i thought it was a, a an obvious downgrade with lynch last week um and uh the the broncos have a good defense and the chargers are just being chargers I, how could you possibly pick them and feel comfortable obviously it's a little bit better picking them as an underdog um but man what they're doing in the fourth quarters the melvin gordon sucks um i, I just think i'm not going to overthink this i understand that it's probably the square side but to me the broncos are just a much better football team and you're not even laying more than the field goal so i, I made denver my best bet of the week yeah maybe the Chargers are the inverse vikings right like they're so poorly coached that, and they just do everything wrong so that their per play metrics are not they're, they're overvaluing them but I actually took the Chargers. I, I just thought uh, Thursday night, I thought, you know, at the time, I didn't know if Paxton Lynch might start, so that was a factor. Now that Simeon's likely to start, that hurts me a little bit, though the line didn't move, oddly enough. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that Thursday game was just a big pile of dog shit, and it's a short week road game, and I'm getting points, and Rivers is ostensibly decent. I don't feel strongly about it, but it's fine. I'm not... I had the Broncos winning 20-19. to 19. I, I, On the show today, I said 17-16 even, because... It might be so ugly. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I don't even know if we have the option of using this game, but if you, you're on the other side. So we'll see if we feel strongly about another handful. Yeah, exactly. or see if I, it, I don't give a shit anymore anyway. Use whatever you want. Uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. Okay, all right. You use Next. all your picks for all I care. I mean, you're just going to go along with five anyway. Uh, right. Bengals plus nine at Patriots. Um, again, I didn't feel strongly about this one. I took. I made the line eight. That was, you know, I set the line myself. I saw that it was nine, so I took Cincinnati. But eight to nine is not an enormously important leap. Uh, and Patriots at home are monsters. I just thought this is a public team and they're, everybody's going to want to be on the Patriots. I just thought, you know, if I'm 50-50 on this, take the points. Yeah, I thought it was a massive line last week uh, with the Patriots and I just felt dumb immediately watching New England dominate. But um, it is such a, a big line for a team that's made the playoffs, what, each of the last five years or whatever. So I'm with you. I took the points and I certainly don't feel strongly about it, though. Okay, Ravens plus three at Giants. This is the line that I set. Obviously, it's just the obvious line that would be these are two mediocre teams. 
I think Ravens are have a much better coach. Giants have better players. It's in uh, Giants Stadium. I took the Giants. I kind of think Odell's going to break out. I have this weird DFS feeling about him that this is the week, and everybody's kind of hoped for it against Green Bay with the bad secondary, or against New Orleans, or against Washington. And I think this is the week he goes off and they get it together. McAdoo's still an idiot, but it's kind of the wheels have come off to the point where they're just going to let it fly. So I, I like the Giants to, to win this game. And, again, I don't think it's a it's – not, it's not one of my top five, but all things equal, I took him. Yeah, I totally agree. This line is exactly what it should be. Um, it's an interesting point you bring up about Beckham and, and DFS. This probably is the week to buy. Last week it seemed per, like a perfect setup. He was quote-unquote due, and he was facing a, a Packers team that – Defended the run really well, but high YPA. I figured the Green Bay's going to score points at home, so it was just set up for a big game from from Beckham. And you know, ultimately, it was not at all. Twelve targets and whatever, fifty yards and a late touchdown salvaged it. But now it's against a, a you know ostensibly a better defense. Although if Sharice uh, Wright returns to action, he's been getting toasted on deep balls. So I could see Beckham breaking out here, and I I, I laid the points as well. But this seems like a game that New York's probably going to win by three and just, you know, it's going to be a tie against the spread is what my prediction would be. I'll tell you what, I'll let you have the tie and I'll take the other two sides. Okay. All right. Done. Okay. So um, let's go uh, Panthers minus three at Saints. Okay. I made this line as a pick them. I thought um, I'm going to, here's a good time to buy low on the Panthers. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll take them and pick them. They're actually laying three in New Orleans. Now in all the per play metrics and the Sharps love Carolina, uh, and think they've been sort of underperforming. But come on, they're laying three on the road, being a piece of shit defense. I'm taking the Saints at home. Yeah, I took the Panthers, but uh, I don't feel strongly at all. They have to travel, too, after playing Monday night. And, you know, uh, got, you know Newton's returning from a concussion. The Saints, have, dating back for a while now, have just been horrible at home, which is really weird. I know they put up the, the big offensive numbers, but they, they have not been a very good win-loss record, even with the, the friendly confines. But I do not feel strong about it. This Panthers team might very well be awful. I don't, I don't really know. If it could, is it really just the loss of Josh Norman, the, the, the hangover effect of the Super Bowl? I mean, it's just bizarre how, how poorly they play. I mean, even at home against Tampa Bay, even when Derek Anderson gets strong YPA, those turnovers, it's, it's been ugly. But I do expect the Panthers to be the better team from here on out. So that's why I went with, obviously, in DFS, everyone's going to, load up in this game with their with their stacks on, on either side. So I expect it to be high scoring. Yeah, I have it Panthers 31-30, but I think the Saints will score lots of points and keep it close. All right, Steelers minus 7.5 at Dolphins. This is one I would use. I just think I had this at 4.5, right? I think Steelers are obviously way better and better enough that laying 4.5 at home is huge. But 7.5, it just seems too crazy. That's 13.5 in Pittsburgh. And actually, I'd be more inclined to lay 13.5 with the Steelers in Pittsburgh than 7.5 on the road. I think the Dolphins will show up. I think Pittsburgh struggles sometimes on the road. They got blown out by the Eagles. I think this game will be reasonably close, and the Dolphins will cover. Yeah, I, man, it's possible the Dolphins have checked out and they don't show up because that, that is an ugly franchise right now. But I, I took the points as well. It looks like we all did in sap picks. Uh, the Steelers are just such a different team. The home road splits with them are, are pretty extensive. And you know, people are probably going to be all over them. I would I imagine the public, they're a public team to begin with, coming off a dominant performance. So the Dolphins just seem like the sharp side to be on. All right, Jaguars plus two and a half at Bears. Uh, I just thought these are equal teams. I've set the line at three. For some reason, the Jaguars are only getting two and a half. Seemed like a slam dunk no-brainer. Yeah, I don't know if it's coming off a of buys reasoning there or what, but then Jacksonville isn't any good. The, the Bears are, are kind of solid. I mean, they're... Defense has actually not been atrocious. I think they're a 
a sneaky defensive play in fantasy league where they're widely available or super cheap in DFS. I mean, they all, the Jacksonville always turns the ball over, and Hoyer's looked really good, and maybe Cam Meredith is a thing, and Jordan Howard looks really good. So this one was obvious to me. The less than the field goal, I, I would. I know we got burnt by them last week, but I would be willing to use Chicago in our picks. Yeah, I'd use them too. I mean, that half, it's only a half difference when I said it, but that's a big half, two and a half to three. Right, right. All right. Your Niners plus eight at the Bills. Um, I actually had this at ten and a half, believe it or not. Uh, I thought this would be a very large line, and it was only eight. And uh, I took the Bills. I laid the points. You know, the Bills have won, what, three in a row? And, and last week was impressive because it was coming off back-to-back upset victories. And they had to travel across the country, play in that heat in, in Los Angeles. And they, they didn't let the winning get to them. I mean, they, they performed well. And they've, uh, even without Sammy Hawkins... It was kind of a bad beat for us. We they got a, it was tied up, and then friggin' Keenum throws a pick six. Yes. Then they drive down to the four yard line. This is really amazing. They drive down to the four yard line, <laughs> fourth and four. They decide with six minutes left, down seven, to kick a field goal. Okay. Jeff Fisher decides this is this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick a field goal here to go down four. Okay. Still need a touchdown, by the way. So I trust my defense. Okay. So they kick off. Bills get it. I don't know if they got a first down or whatever, but they go. You know, they they end up punting. Uh, the, nine, the Rams get the ball back with about four minutes left, run a few plays. It's now fourth and five at their own, like, 25. And Jeff Fisher decides to fake a punt, okay, which doesn't work. So the so the Bills get the ball back, score a touchdown, and it's game over. But if you think about what he did was he basically gave up a fourth down from the four-yard line to get four yards and traded it for a fake punt to get five yards. And even if they got the five yards, they still would have only been on their 30 it's not like they would have got a touchdown of it. They would still have to drive the length of the field. I mean, Jeff Fisher is checked the fuck out. He doesn't – it's just random what he's doing. What are you doing? You're not going to go on fourth from the four-yard line, but you're going to fake a punt with three minutes left? What are you even thinking? His process is non-existent. It's just a guy who's going by feel. I compared it in the column to a guy at the blackjack table at like 4 a.m. who's so drunk and he's kind of broken even, and he'll be like, oh, I'll hit on a t- – uh, on a 16 against the 10, I'll stick on a 15 against the nine. Like it's just, he doesn't, it's, there's no consistency. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just random. Whatever he feels like doing. You no, it was absolutely bizarre. And it was frustrating to, to, you know, have it directly hurt us in our pick. It was uh, very frustrating. I think LaShawn McCoy is playing really, really well right now. And um, I, I would prefer this. I, I also laid the points with Buffalo. I would prefer this if Blaine Gabbert, you know, the status quo. Right. Yep. Uh, Ka- Kaepernick might be terrible. I don't know, but there's a far bigger, wider range of outcomes with him. I mean, the upside is, is, is higher with him. So but I don't love that aspect of it, but still, uh, the Bills are playing well. Niners have to travel across the country, play a, a 10 a.m. body clock game, and they're they're awful to begin. I mean, they're just not a good team. So, yeah, give me give me the Bills. I'm laying the wood here. Yeah, I, I, I'm now like a Kaepernick fan because of his whole protest, and I like him now, so I kind of hope he goes nuts. Plus, I picked him up in Stopa for the rest of my fab budget. But um, I'm, not, I'm not expecting him to actually do it. It's a sort of a possibility that he does it. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I had sashed him earlier this year because it's a two-quarterback league, and, and I'm uh, upset that at least you spent some money on him, I saw. You, you did spend the rest of your fab. Yeah, because yeah. I have basically because I have Bradford and Winston on by the same week. Nobody cares about those two quarterbacks, except for some reason my second and third QBs were off the same week. All right. Right. Let's go Rams plus three and a half at Lions. Um, to me, this was an easy call. These teams are equal. I know Tremaine Johnson's out. I know they have some defensive line issues, but it's the Lions. If you give me more than three, I'm taking it. 
Yeah, so when I say the staff picks, I was under the impression this game was going to be three, and it was a coin flip for me, and I took Detroit. So if, if, if I went in hindsight to three and a half, I would have been the difference for me to go to the Rams. So, so yeah, I understand. That makes sense. I certainly won't defend the Lions here at more than a field goal. Okay, yeah, that would be a, that would be a huge waste of time in this podcast. It really was. Even more than usual. Even, Even more. more than usual, which is a high bar to clear. Browns plus seven at Titans. I mean, I don't. Why are they even playing this game? You know, why not just like randomly assign a score and just take it off the schedule and save the injuries? And there's just no point in this game. But I, I took the Browns. I just think they seem to show up. I like to sell Tennessee high off that Miami domination. And yeah, why not? Yeah, me too. I just am assuming that anyone other than Charlie Whitehurst is starting for the Browns. I'm hoping, but um, yeah, that's a it's a big number for a not very good Titans team to be laying. The Browns have been. Mostly fairly competitive. I mean, I know the the end score was pretty ugly against New England, but this team is not. They may finish two and fourteen, but they're not a total total doormat. I think they keep this close. They're a strong two and fourteen, don't you think? Right, I think they'll be a very strong two and fourteen. They're one of the yeah. top ten or twelve two and fourteens in league history. Yeah, I agree. They're not I a agree. three and thirteen. I don't see them as a three and thirteen. I see them as a strong two and fourteen. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, Eagles minus two and a half at Redskins. I I made this game a pick'em, so. I, I like the Redskins. I think the Eagles got off to a really nice start, and the Pittsburgh game was impressive, but let's not start getting ahead of ourselves yet. So I, I took the Redskins at home. I did too. Um, they play typically far better at home. Certainly Kirk Cousins does. Uh, Jordan Reed out. I don't like to analyze injuries too much. I think I feel like it's priced into the line and and, and kind of difficult to anyway. And the Eagles, by the way, have allowed eight catches for 52 yards total for opposing tight ends this year. So I don't know how big important he was going to be anyway. That's that's absurd, even given the opponents. But um, that, that might be something of a factor for a team that has struggled in the red zone. But less than three, um, uh, I could see buying Philly low here, but I, I took the home home team in this divisional matchup. Okay, Chiefs plus one at Raiders. I had this as a pick em. One point doesn't make that much of a difference, but it's also Andy Reid off the bye has been very good. I took the Chiefs. Yeah, I took Oakland, but this spread seems fairly right to me. I didn't feel strong with what you know one way or the other. Derek Carr continues to defy the YPA logic. Uh, their defense, I, I do expect to to get a little better, but I could see the Chiefs winning this. This is a total point, but I would stay away from this game. Falcons plus six and a half at Seahawks. Um, I actually, oddly, and that's a weird line. I said six and a half when I made the line, but the more I think about it, I just want Seattle. I just the Falcons second week on the road. Apparently, they didn't go back home. They just stayed on the West Coast. But, man, you know, they, they had a really smart game plan against Denver. They really attacked the middle, beat the linebackers with speedy running backs. But that tape is out there. Uh, Seattle's got really fast running backs. They're going to be very tough to throw on. And I think Russell Wilson uh, will light up the Falcons' defense. I, I like Seattle here. Yeah, I took the points. I could see see your side. But Seattle coming off a bye, obviously really tough at home. And you're asking a lot of Atlanta you know, coming off those other games. and uh, But Matt Ryan's been so good, but if Sherman could sh- totally shatter. It's not like he is going to shadow uh, Julio Jones, but but the Falcons are, I mean, they maybe they are one of the best teams in the NFL this year. I don't know. I'm keeping an open mind. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, the second year in that system, they played so well. I, I took the points, but I would not be surprised if Seattle at home dominated and won by double digits. That would not be in the least bit surprising. Cowboys plus four and a half at Packers. How do you see it? I kind of really like the Cowboys in this game. I know their defensive stats don't jump off the page, uh, and the Packers are obviously far better at home, but this is now a, a beyond a concern as far as YPA for Aaron Rodgers, what's happening there. Um, and the Cowboys just get it done. There's something to be said for never turning the ball over 
And um, I like Dak Prescott as a cheaper DFS play because the Packers are so strong against the run. It's going to result in them having to throw more. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cowboys win this game outright. Me neither. I had it at three and a half, and I almost wanted to put it at three, but I knew the books. They love the Packers. I don't know why. The Packers are always favored at home by more than they should be, and this is another case of that. Also, I like Ezekiel Elliott in DFS. I know he'll be expensive, but I don't think he'll be chalky because the Packers are so strong on a per-play basis against the run. But I think it's a little bit of a sham. I think a lot of the uh, – Tim Heaney on, on Rotowire wrote an article about it, how all their opposition's really weak running teams. I think Dallas may blow open some holes, and they may – you know. People may think it's going to be a passing thing, but it's actually going to be running uh, more of the running attack. So I like Zeke Elliott there, and I also took Dallas. Sunday night, Colts plus three at Texans. I mean, to me, this is a textbook three-point line, equals shitty teams. I took the Texans just because we got their ass kicked last week, and I don't really like the Colts, but who did you take? Yeah, I took the Texans as well. I wanted to fade both these teams. They're both awful. Like Lamar Miller owners. If he has a nice game and it's perfect setup, try to sell him after this. It, it's I, I'm not optimistic about this this whole offense, who currently has the fewest uh, offensive touchdowns in the NFL. Uh, obviously missing JJ Watt, but at home, as you said, coming off an ugly game, uh, the, the Colts aren't any good themselves. So I uh, Andrew Luck on pace for, to take 65 sacks after getting taken down for what five or six more against a Bears team that entered with barely that many total on the season. So give me the Texans. Just play right. the Cardinals. Oh, I like um I mean, no one wants to take the Jets here, but I don't, Arizona, I mean, Palmer's coming back, and he, he maybe he's going to light it up because the Jets, you know, secondary has been so atrocious. But I don't know. I'm at the stage where the Cardinals need to prove it to me that they're even an average team right now. I actually would not be shocked if the Jets pull off the upset and win this game. I, eight points to me is massive. I, I really like the dog here. I, I took the Jets, too. I, I just thought, exactly. You know, the Jets are terrible, by the way. They may be one of the bottom three or four teams in the NFL, but – it's eight with the Cardinals. They don't They don't deserve it. You know, we're in week six. Last year mattered in week two, week three. In week six, you know, we're 90% this year. There's only a 10% weight given to what they've done last year. It's it's a different year now. We have to move on from who the Cardinals were. Yeah, uh, no, totally. Um, I, that one, so, okay, so well, I don't even know if our, our proxy is going for the Thursday night game and you picked the um, the Chargers. I know you, you said you don't care about don't our picks about too it. much. I mean, if you want but here, you can if you want to do it, but I don't, I, you know, it's not. Certain. I kind of came up with another five. I think that we all, uh, we, we both agree pretty comfortably. So uh, Bears, yes? Yes. Cowboys? Sure. Bills? Sure, yeah. Dolphins? Yep. And Jets? Done. Done deal. Okay. 0-5, dude. We got this. We got 0-5 on this. We can you know the one, the one week we try to, you know, I say I'm going to do the opposite of our picks because we're in a slump. That's the week that, that we would have we would have gone undefeated. So I'm not, I'm not going to go, no, go there. I, I never oh. say do the, oh. You can never win off of bad handicap. All right, man. On that note, um, let's do it, dude. One and four. I think we can get there. All right. Let's do it. All right, man. All Take right, it easy. Later. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. There is a special offer for new FanDuel users. You can get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's more than $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW.